Welcome to Tech Transforms, sponsored by Dynatrace. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Snell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hi, thanks for joining us on Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford, and today... I get to welcome Sandy Larson, Vice President of Global Security Solutions at Dynatrace. And um, first of all, I'm a big fan of Sandy's. She's a little bit of a hero of mine, and we'll we'll get into why later. But well, you'll you'll be able to easily see why. Um, today, I've asked Sandy to talk to us about zero trust, layered defense, and what it means to be a woman in leadership in the federal technology space. Um, welcome to Tech Transform, Sandy. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here and having the conversation today, Carolyn. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Um, I want to kick off with your current role at Dynatrace and talk to me a little bit about what some of your primary objectives are. Sure. Um, so uh, the last two and a half years since joining Dynatrace um, have been a very thrilling ride for me from a career and personal perspective. Um, I was brought on to Dynatrace to help uh, launch our uh, entrance into the security market. We are a observability heavyweight and have done amazing uh, things in that segment. And uh, the company just had the foresight to see uh, that that. Uh, security and observability would be converting, and they made the move early uh, to start working on this from a product perspective. And so, um, as I said, I was hired to come in and help launch the product and build um, a security specialty team around that. Um, since joining, my job has really been more of uh, almost more of a GM as opposed to a sales leader. I am in sales and have that as my uh, as my title and my function, but. Because we're such a small, nimble team as we started, um, it really uh, encompassed playing a bigger role um, where I was involved in every aspect of the business and the go-to-market, everything from sales operations to creating the right messaging, uh, getting customer input, validating uh, the market requirements, uh, figuring out, you know, the types of reports we needed, so, you know, more of the mundane things, just operational type things. Um, and then as well as education, enabling the broader sales team and getting this whole thing off the ground. So from that perspective, um, it's been just really rewarding. Um, and then on top of that, uh, you know, I'm biased for sure, but we have amazing technology that I think is unlike anything else in the industry. So it's just, you know, from that perspective as well, um, just a real, it's a real treat to get up and do my job every day. That sounds hokey, but that is that's the honest answer right there. So no, I love that. And you and I have spoken in the past about zero trust, layered defense. They're two big buzzwords in industry, but especially in government. I mean, they've both been around, I feel like like a decade plus, right? Mm -hmm. Um yeah. and for a minute, I started to question my use of layered defense because back in the day when I was more cybersecurity and, and working in the cybersecurity division for Raytheon, you know, that was that was like our mantra. We're part, part of the layered defense, layered defense, layered defense. And now we've seen in the federal government um, another big surge, I feel like, towards zero trust, even to the point where there are government 
I mean, there's government funding that specifically calls out, you must do zero trust. And so I kind of questioned, okay, so should that term layered defense go away? And we're just saying zero trust, like you trust nothing. Like, so when you and I talked, I really, really like your philosophy. And mm -hmm. I would like you to talk more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my personal opinion is that not only can zero trust and defense in depth coexist, I think they should coexist. So just like you said, defense in depth has been around for decades and it really involves this concept of a layered security approach using multiple tools, hopefully working in unison, maybe sometimes not, but hopefully they are. Um, and the thought that if one tool fails or gets bypassed by an attacker, that there is another layer of defense, right? That's the name. Um, so it also is strong when protecting against um, human error, right? Misconfiguration of tools, right? So, um, you know, the benefit in, in defense in depth over zero trust is that is if one layer fails, there's something else there. Um, but really, um, with a with zero trust, that's a whole different concept of just providing, uh, being able to um, adhere to specific principles, I guess is the better way to put it. And the goal is never trust anyone or anything, right? So used, used with a lot of times identity management, authentication and access. So that's, you know, that's the primary sort of domain where that principle is used. But my, my thinking is that zero trusts can be part of your defense in depth, right? As one element of your defense in depth. And then the reverse, which I find even more interesting of that is also true in that defense in depth philosophy can be included in zero trust deployments. And what I mean by that is you can have um, uh, limited access to only certain specific applications. And in addition to that, your network can be zoned off into different zones. So you have layered defense when it comes to zero trust. Those are two different, uh, different uh, principles about zero trust, but you're using both of those. And um, another example, which hits closer to home, of the way that Dynatrace applies zero trust is it's more on the vulnerability and application management side of the house. And so while you're having all of these um, zero trust principles that you apply to access management, you could also apply that to, uh, to scanning for vulnerabilities, right? So being able to have this continuously on software that is evaluating, not scanning, because that's the way Dynatrace application security works. It's not like a traditional SAST or DAST or IAST or SCA tool in that I'm going to do a scan at 8 a.m. I'm going to do a scan at 2 p.m., right? It's, it's as the software is, is, is operating running, there's that constant continuous evaluation of whether or not there are vulnerabilities present. So in, in my book, that is an element of that zero trust because it's the continuous assessment and verification of whether or not you are at risk from a security perspective. So those are just some of the ways that I think the two sort of intersect and complement one another. And that I view them more as a complement than two distinct either or uh, types of approaches. Yeah, I, I really like that. And it feels better to me. I think the reason I started questioning the whole layered defense thing term defense in depth layer defense is because you know the old philosophy of you've got your castle in the moat 
-hmm. And then you, it, and it was kind of this moat kind of thing. And anymore we say, well, there is no perimeter. Right. And you still need a perimeter, right? You still want to have firewalls. Like that's part of your defense. And so I really like the way you just went into applying defense in depth into zero trust too. Mm -hmm. And for our listeners, I mean, listeners, you know, we're not, um, we're not a vendor or a product uh, podcast. We, we like to keep it. Um, we like to keep it at the thought leadership level but everything you talked about, I agree with you. I mean, Diana Trace is the bomb. And we're talking about like observability technologies that provide this kind of, um, these these capabilities that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's other, we're not the only solution that has applicability in this. It's just the one that hits closest to home that I know. Uh, know so well, but um, right. there's there's plenty of other solutions that are complements to one another that certainly uh, feed into this layered approach to zero trust. <laughs> well, and to your point, sorry, we're going to go product again here, but I mean, Dynatrace does more than play nicely with like hundreds of other technologies, right? Because they're all, I mean, part of this defense in depth. And okay. that, I mean, that's true for many technologies. All right. Well, you have had a very successful career. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give the years. I mean, I don't want to date, no, but I mean, you've done everything from security practitioner to the supplier side of things. You even mentioned like your official title is sales. Um, you've been part of several cybersecurity startups. In fact, you and I first met, um, as part of the Raytheon turned force point cybersecurity, Mm -hmm. world years ago. So what inspired you to pursue a career in software development in this industry and specifically cybersecurity? The cybersecurity part was a bit of an accident. Um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. But, um, you know, I've always been interested in the intersection of technology and business. Uh, for me, the technology um, is exciting and I enjoy the fast paced, ever changing type of environment. Um, and then on the business side, I like the relationships and driving towards results and the, you know, the competitive nature in me of achieving a goal. Um, so, I, you know, the, the blending of the two has always been, um, you know, something that that I have been drawn to. And um, as you said, my career path has been uh, very diverse and very unconventional. Um, during college, I did an internship uh, with uh, Wachovia Bank, which is now part of Wells Fargo. It was one of their acquisitions. Um, and that really set me up for a full-time position after graduation. And so I started as a developer working on the bank's payment systems. What uh, were you coding in? What was the language? Do we oh, still use it? You are, you are really going to date me now. <laughs> You're real. And oddly enough, I, I say this, and the banks are probably, not probably, I know they are still using applications in Assembler um, because it's their, it's the payment systems. It's check processing. How do we mm -hmm. process checks? How do we process payments? And those you don't really want to go in and mess with those if you yeah. don't have to, right? If it's working. <laughs> yeah, the big iron, right? Um, so, so yes, that's where I started. And one could understand why that might have been a little bit, uh, you know, not the most thrilling way to spend a day at your desk. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I quickly, uh, you know, moved from being a developer to de being a developer team lead. So that was sort of my 
first step into being a leader. And I discovered that I enjoyed leading more than I did coding. And so, you know, I never diverted from, from that path. Um, but I did a number of years uh, and then had the opportunity to move from development into product management. And um, this was one of the steps in my career that I really enjoyed. I just, I loved, um, I loved that environment of coming up with uh, new ideas, working with the business to fulfill their objectives and meet their requirements, and then taking that and translating it into uh, requirements for a development team. I like that 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 middle uh, role there, that go between. And so um, I had the opportunity to to move into product management for the wholesale banking side. Um, and what that means is, you know, all of the uh, you know the different big big balance sheet uh, customers, right? And all of their, the products that they use. So cash management, funds transfer, um, foreign exchange, uh, trade, uh, lockbox, payment systems. Um, and so um, I was uh, in a VP position in product management. I had nine product managers that uh, were part of my team. And our job was to figure out how we got all of these products that were PC-based to being internet based. And so again, dating myself. This oh, is Oh wow. Yeah, this is in the early 2000s. Oh basically, internet banking, corporate internet banking. So that yeah. was all in the influx of all of that. And so it was a really fun time because I got to intersect and touch and and uh, work with so many different areas of the bank, but also outside the bank, we were working with lots of interesting up and coming vendors and solutions. And um, it was just really, really um, interesting for me to see everything that was happening at that time, because, you know, 2000s, it was just yeah. the prime time to be. You and I were in product management at the same time. So I was oh, really? on, I was one of the vendors probably that you were working with. So I was doing like VPNs and remote access and like some yeah. of the first ones. Yeah. Um, and I, lo I loved product management too, like figuring out, okay, this is what you need. Now, how do we translate this into the technology. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, being exposed to lots of new technologies and building those relationships outside of the bank, you know, that what, you know, is what led to my next position was that I was approached to join a small startup um, at, from a person uh, who was one of my uh, trusted providers from IBM. He was leaving IBM to go be a salesperson at this startup. And he approached me and he said, why don't you, you know, come and join me and be my SE. And I'm like, you want me to sell stuff? I, I don't <laughs> sell stuff. I build stuff. You're right. You know? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it turned out that uh, I was employee number 30 and partnered up with this great salesperson that I learned so much from um, on how to sell the right way, how to, you know, uh, being sales and have integrity. And that is and a big jump, man. You must have really trusted him. <laughs> to be an engineer for a salesperson, love you salespeople. I don't <laughs> no. yes. yes. And it and you know, leaving the comfort of of my position at the bank. Yeah. You know, to you know, to for a startup, like yes. which means you were doing a lot more than just a sales engineer, as right. if that weren't enough. You were you were definitely wearing multiple hats, weren't you? Yes, for you were sure. Coding on the side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everybody was, the whole company yeah. was. And that's, you know, we were all in it together, rowing together. It was a really, really, a really positive environment, a really great culture um, to be part of. 
Um, and we, you know, we had a great team. Uh, John was the guy's name that uh, I was partnered up with. We, we were the only two people covering the whole East Coast. I was like, wow. take your pick, go talk to anybody you want, right? Uh, but, you know, we had so much fun and uh, the company was very entrepreneurial and fast moving and uh, the product was a great success at IPO'd. Um, and so as the company grew, my responsibility grew. And so I became the SE director for the East Coast. Um, I was there at the company for 10 years, which is a long run for, for a startup. Um, and, uh, and so then eventually that same rockstar salesperson, he left, uh, the company we were with to go join a financial services technology company. So a company that only sold software to banks, only financial mm -hmm. services technology. Uh, and, uh, he recruited me to come over and go further to the dark side and be, he was a sales <laughs> manager. And so he asked me to come try my hand at being a quota carrying salesperson, um, so anyway, fast forward wow. uh, to not belabor the point here, but that was my first position as a, as a salesperson. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was successful as an individual contributor and then through the course of several other opportunities after that moved um, into different sales leadership positions, regional sales director and, and AVP and, and now to the job that I'm in now. So it's, uh, it's been it's been a wild ride, but a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I've learned yeah. so much and different perspectives. Like you said, being being the person that wrote the check versus the person that's asking for the check. Um, and then also the different wearing the different hats in the go to market um, has been invaluable to me. Well, and now really zeroed in on the security side of things. Are you defining the security aspect at Dynatrace right now? So the, the applications you're you're doing that. I help with that. I mean, yeah. obviously we're two and a half years in. And so I, we went from a, you know, a small team to now a much more substantial team. So we do have, we, we have people that are in those roles, mm -hmm. uh, but we all collaborate together. So, you know, it's, it, I, I do much more than managing to a quota and, and my sales team and talking to customers. That's certainly an aspect of my job that I love. I absolutely love. Uh, but yes, I'm involved in the conversations around product direction, around, you know, what and, and because we truly care about the, the customer voice, right? And so we're the ones that are hearing that. And so the ability to take that back to our R&D team and help shape the direction that we're headed. Obviously, our CTO and, and the leaders we have have a vision, but, you know, they definitely want that input. So I feel, I feel very heard um, as far as being the voice of the customer and making sure that we, we are keeping a, a pulse on that. So I want to talk about, this is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine to even say this, to say you're a woman in technology rather than just you are in technology. Um, but I want to, I want to talk about your experience being a woman in technology. I found a, something that you said, um, I think it was International Women's Day. You were on a panel. So I'm, I'm going to read this quote that I found. You said, women have a unique challenge of being viewed as too aggressive when they are assertive or too soft when they are nice. And that really, um, I mean, I've heard versions of this for years and, and yes. And I'd like to have you talk some more about being often the only woman in the room through your career. And I'm, I'm right there with you, even though I'm in marketing now, 
I'm still often the only woman in the room. Mm-hmm. And before that, as, as a product manager, I was the only woman. Sometimes it felt like at the company. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I definitely can relate. Um, that first company, when I was the SE, I was the only S- female SE in the whole company. Um, and uh, many times been the only uh, female sales leader in the whole entire company at, at a certain level, um, depending on what level I was at. So I, I definitely feel that I'll never forget one time I, wa- I was at a, um, a conference for a major uh, partner of ours. I won't name the name, but I literally walked in the room and there had to have been 40 males in the room. And I was literally that was probably the most disparate uh, you know, awkward moment that I, that I can recollect, um, with the, the, diff- the, the biggest difference in, in outnumbering. Right. Um, and you know, it, 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 it shakes you a little bit, especially those volumes. I was just like, okay, this is awkward. I think that we have come a long way because there's more awareness, but it's still an uphill battle and we have so much further to go. So when, you know, back in the early two thousands, we were in single digit representation, at least now we're, you know, 26, 27% of technology jobs are women. And that's still a low number. I'm not proud of that number, but compared to 6% or 9% that, you know, it is, it is definitely improving. And I think that people are more open to the benefits, right, of gender diversity and uh, bringing those different perspectives, those different problem solving skills, because, you know, men and women think differently and that, you know, there's strength in both. And um, also, I love just the fact that there's more role models for girls, um, you know, to encourage them to be in STEM classes and take STEM courses. Um, And, you know, I think as far as, you know, my challenges go, it's been um, I've had I've had some really unpleasant experiences, but I've also had some really, really great experiences where, um, you know, I have had mentors, uh, both female as well as male, and probably three of my strongest mentors, not only from a personal level of, of, you know, speaking one-on-one with me and letting me, um, you know, get their input and share advice, but also uh, opening doors and encouraging me, not only, not only opening doors, there's some that have opened the door and there's some that have allowed me to talk to them about an opportunity and encouraged me to walk through the door where I was apprehensive saying, oh, I don't know, you know, I'm not I, sure. I've had similar experiences. Like you say that. And I, you know, I come, I think about who my, you know, handful of mentors have been and top three men. I mean, which isn't surprising, right? You just gave the numbers. When we first started in tech, we were in the single digit representation. So of course they were probably men. But I mean, and and to your point, like encouraging me and saying, why aren't you stepping through that door? You should be doing this. Right. Exactly. And, and it's, it's really been pivotal. I mean, I can literally look back on my career and I can see specific moments in time where a decision, a decision changed the, the whole trajectory of my career. Right. 
um, being, you know, even uh, the, 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 the salesperson I was referring to was not one of those mentors, but still a very positive force in my career, but even him encouraging me to step over into sales, you know, and that, that wasn't a gender thing. That was a, that was a role thing, right? Do I want to go from building and creating things to selling things? And he encouraged me to do that. And, and it's been a great fit for me. Um, so, you know, I, I guess you just can't sleep on, you know, these, the 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 pivotal people in your career whether they're ahead of you or beside you or even you know behind you I've I've been inspired by people that I've been mentoring right where yeah, I'm like same. wow that's a great that's a great way to think about that right um so just being cognizant of that and taking it all in and and I agree with you I I, I really dislike the whole term and and concept of women in technology let we're people in technology right and we're not past that yet. So I'm not naive to it by any means, but I do try to, um, you know, to go in uh, to any situation, assuming the best of people um, and then be smart, right? Do my research, do my legwork, uh, be prepared. Um, without a doubt, I do sense um, that there are different different bars, different metrics or or ways of measuring or assessing for women versus men just in the language that society uses um and i don't think it's anyone's not necessarily everyone has um ill intentions with that it's it's part of the way we've been programmed and um that's prevalent even myself right i find myself doing things like apologizing for something that i don't need to apologize for mm -hmm. um and circumventing my own power <laughs> you know mm -hmm. so so it's 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 something that i slip into myself. And so just being aware and cognizant of that. And, but again, assuming, assuming the positive and assuming the best, and then navigating those situations as best as possible, you know? So you just gave some really good advice in there. If you could sum it up, like this takeaway for our audience, what would you leave us with? I guess first and foremost, especially if, uh, if uh, you're new, uh, starting out earlier in your career, find mentors females, males, find mentors. They are just invaluable and will be throughout your whole entire career, no matter what stage you're in, at the beginning, at the middle, later in your career, they will always be um, indispensable for you. Um, and then in general, I would say, speak up, right? Um, just have a voice. And if that voice in your head is planting doubt, don't listen to it. If it's coaching you on what to say and what not to say and, and being wise about that, listen to that. But if it's planting seeds of doubt, you've got to you, you have to push it aside and you have to take that step, because if you don't, you know, you might be missing out on, you know, the next best thing. So being mm -hmm. being being able to, you know, to squish those doubts, imposter syndrome is real. We've got it right here. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And so it's, you know, it is definitely an ongoing, uh, an ongoing effort, even for me personally, that, that I battle that. And I know so many other women do that I've talked to. So uh, just, you know, figuring out what's real and what's not real, what's, uh, you know, self-doubt that's plaguing you versus things that you need to get better at. You know, some of those, sometimes the voice is, hey, you know, you're not quite as prepared as you need to be. Well, okay, go get prepared, but don't, don't not speak up or have a voice in the room because you're concerned about what others would think. I like that. And I like that you said, you know, be prepared, know your stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, we certainly don't want to talk just to talk. And we all know people like that. 
it does not gender related. So <laughs> not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, all great words of advice. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your personal journey with us. And we're going to move to our tech talk questions. So these are just quick questions, kind of fun, a little bit silly. Um, but the first one I'm going to ask you is, this one's a hard one for you because you've kind of done everything. What's an occupation other than your own that you would like to try? Oh, well, I don't, I couldn't try it without a lot of education, but in another life, I could see myself being a veterinarian. I would love that. Really? Huge animal uh, lover here. So I'm, I might, you know, hate the hard parts of it. I don't know. I'd have to probably have some training to figure out if it was a good fit, but in my head, it sounds like a great idea, but secondary to that, a chef. I know, I know I would love to be a chef. I would love that. So do you, are you like an amateur chef at at home now. Yeah. I wouldn't say amateur chef, but I love to cook. Uh, it's, it's a creative outlet for me. I love, you know, challenging myself with things that I haven't made before that are a little bit, you know, more advanced. So yeah, it's, it's, it's entertainment for me. I love to cook and I love to eat, which works out great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tangent here. Have you seen the bear? No, I, I haven't. I think it's on Netflix. I think you okay. might enjoy it. So it's, okay. it's a, comedy dramedy um, okay. about a chef like award-winning chef that goes home to I think it's Chicago to run the family business which is like a dumpy sandwich shop okay <laughs> that sounds right interesting I would house. definitely have to check that yeah. out all right what is the first piece of technology that you remember owning oh um Aside from the teenage years with the clunky Walkman, I would say probably the one that I felt most advanced was I had one of the very first Blackberries. So you did. I did. It yes. was like a brick. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the bag cell phone, totally dating myself for sure with all of that. But yes, those are the ones that sort of stick out in my head. Okay. So when, so the very first Blackberry, like I remember Blackberries really making it big, like 2000 five being mm -hmm. the smartphone but are you saying like even before then like the really before when then. so yeah. like oh and actually it just came to my mind I didn't even think about this the probably the one before that was the Palm Pilot do you remember the Palm oh yeah I had one of those I could never I was just like no <laughs> yeah I didn't like it it didn't stick with me as much as no. the Blackberry but yes yes I had a very early version of the Blackberry okay yeah, the Palm Pilot, man, I thought it could replace my notepad. My notepad is still like my number one companion. If yeah. I don't write it down, it doesn't happen. So. Yeah, well, I'm the same way. I like that. I, I write I write notes down. Um, I write lists still. It just, I don't know. It's very tangible. Like I still like hardcover books. Don't, you know. Me too. But I do love my Kindle for traveling. Yes, yes. Definitely the convenience of that for sure. All right. So last question. Um, I, I gave you something to go check out to watch. Now I'm going to ask you to share like what you like to listen to. And it doesn't have to be work related. Honestly, it can be what you do for leisure. So podcasts, TV, books, movies. What do you what do you like to do just for fun? 
Um, so I'm a big podcast person. Um, just, you know, whether I'm walking the dogs and listening or if I'm driving to, you know, a meeting or, you know, avoiding taking an airplane to go to Atlanta or mm -hmm. whatever. So I love podcasts. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, it actually is, um, it's, it's not just work related because I find you have leadership in many aspects of your life. Um, but it's the Maxwell leadership podcast by John mm -hmm. Maxwell. Um, okay. so he's, uh, you know, a, a, an expert speaker, an author, um, and basically just focuses um, his platform on sharing experiences and knowledge around leadership. Um, it is a, it, he does incorporate faith-based principles, so in teaching leadership development. So as a result, um, you know, it's really great for um, anyone that, you know, is also having a faith walk as well. So um, I like that. I also like the Tim Ferriss show, another leadership um, type of podcast. I love Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Yeah. And I love movies. That's the other form of entertainment. I have uh, teenage uh, kids, a, a son and a daughter. So we, uh, we love, uh, we love the movies. We always go see uh, all the movies that are coming out. So that's, uh, that's a form of entertainment for all of us that we can enjoy. Well, thank you for sharing a little, you know, a little slice of your personal life yeah. and um, thanks for your insights on layered and defense in depth, zero trust. And thanks to all of our listeners, please like this episode and share it with your friends. And we'll talk to you next week on Tech Transforms. Thanks so much, Sandy. Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks for joining Tech Transforms, sponsored by Dynatrace. For more Tech Transforms, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.